And now, more Educate on TalkZone.com. Here's Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the show and our discussion on the important topic of autism and Autism Speaks. If you'd like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open, 888-463-7468. We're taking your calls on TalkZone. For the second half of our show, my guest will be Lisa Goring. Lisa Goring was named Executive Vice President of Programs and Services in February of 2014 for Autism Speaks. Under Goring's leadership, Family Services became the fourth pillar of the organization's mission in 2007. In order to meet the needs of individuals with autism and their families, Lisa and her team have developed a wide array of resources and tools for families, including a resource guide of over 50,000 local resources across the United States, an autism response team to answer phone calls and emails from families looking for resources, and a variety of toolkits such as the 100-day kit for newly diagnosed families, a school community toolkit, a transition toolkit for families of individuals entering adulthood, an employment toolkit to assist adults on the spectrum with finding a job, and much more. In addition, Lisa has implemented several grant programs over the years to expand services for people with autism and to increase the field of providers serving the autism community. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for being on. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, Lisa, we didn't get into the... Um, the X's and O's of what is autism in the first half of the show. So can you, can you start us off the, or layperson, how, how would you respond? So autism is a group of complex disorders of brain development. And um, the disorders are characterized by three um, different types of difficulties. They include social interaction, verbal and nonverbal communication, and repetitive behaviors. And it's a wide spectrum. Some folks are um, more severely impacted than others in each of those areas. And I, I often hear people say, um, you know, that Bill Gates is on a spectrum. So, you know, it, almost as if to, to shock people and to wake up, there's this, there's a lot more to this than than you may think. Um, is that something you find common that people pull out the big names to, to kind of shock people into, hey, it's not what you think? Um. Sometimes we hear that. I think, you know, it's important to, to note, though, that the prevalence rates continue to rise in terms of autism. It's currently 1 in 68 children in wow. the United States have been um, diagnosed with autism, 1 in 42 boys. So, mm. um, you know, we've seen a tenfold increase in prevalence over the past 40 years. So, Now, do you think that's a combination of... Um, recognizing that the symptoms better, or is it environmental, or is it both? You know, I, I think it's both. We, um, we know that certainly there's been greater awareness and uh, greater ability to diagnose autism, and that accounts for a portion of the increase, but we also know how important research is because there is a genetic component, but there's an environmental trigger, and we do not know what that environmental trigger is, and that's why it's so important to continue to fund research so that we can figure that out. And at these rates, that sounds like it would be a uh, that's a, a Nobel Prize winning discovery to find out what that trigger is, because these numbers are frightening. They're just just, right, just plain right. frightening. There are over two million individuals in the United States. Wow. Um, 
What types of resource speaks provide to families and individuals? I know I went over a litany of the many things that you have okay. contributed, but in, in general, general, what types of resources do you provide? So our goal really is to be able to connect families with resources that will improve their quality, the quality of life for the individual with autism. And so we do that um, certainly through our autism response team. We um, answer emails and phone calls from families. Last year we answered over 30,000 contacts. Um, and provided families with resources. Sometimes it's about that they just got a diagnosis and they need some information about where to turn and who to call in their local area. And other times it's, um, it's about how to be able to, um, you know, continue to explore new areas for your child to grow, whether it's going to get a haircut, going to the dentist. And then um, certainly an increasingly uh, more and more important piece for us our adult services. So we think about mm-hmm. what are the skills that are needed uh, for uh, individuals with autism to live as independently as possible in their adult lives. Yeah, I mentioned in the first half of the show how um, for uh, the mentally retarded population, there seems to be a lot of resources in place uh uh, loans and what have you. And I had asked the question, is that the direction Autism Speaks is heading in, is having these same uh, structures in place for, for uh, depending on where people are on the autism spectrum? So we want to be able to provide as many resources as possible, you know, so that folks can live as independently as possible. So absolutely, we want to be able to um, help with further skill development, help with um, technology that could um further independence. So it's really important that we provide um, those resources from the moment of diagnosis through adult life. Now, in, in the past, I, 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 you know, I'm going back 30 years now, and I'm trying to think of, there may have been people that we, we, were, we came across in life who were kind of sh- sheltered by their family and taken care of right through adulthood by their family, almost as if it's something that the family was ashamed to, to speak about. Um, do you know where I'm going with that? Like, I, as I think back to childhood and, and to the different uh, people I've met, families just dealt with things that may not have been publicly known or even diagnosable back then. Is, would that be true? So I think that that, that is true for, for some families. I think you know, as the prevalence goes up, though, there are more and more families that um, that are caring for a child with autism, and you know, we're hearing from more and more families that they now have adult children with autism that um, that need supports and services. Wow. Now, another thing we we didn't speak on is um, I know when I was watching the uh, the first part of the uh, the the move the documentary. Uh, right. There was some discussion. In fact, it was about the founders, the the, the rights, and how their grand their grandson was um, developing normally for the first sixteen months, and then over a three to four month period. And I quote: "She said, um, Susan Wright said, the lost everything. Is that is that common? So there is a subset of." Um of those affected by autism where their families have reported that they were developing um, normally and they were developing, you know, good skills and then over a, in a very short period of time they lost those skills. So um, certainly not true of all people with autism, but um, there there is a subset where that is absolutely the case. Okay. And it, it's it's stated also in a documentary that the first six months are crucial. Now, 
when they say the first six months, is that from the first time the child is diagnosed? Because some children aren't diagnosed until way too late. I mean, years later. But um, are they talking about infants or toddlers and at the first sign that the first six months are crucial? And what what, so what they're really months? talking about there is that um, once you get that diagnosis, the earlier you can get it, um, the sooner you can start um, intensive treatment and hopefully the better the outcome. But we do know that, you know, at any point to get that diagnosis, you always want to try and um, to uh, get treatment options as soon as possible. So I would never, I would always encourage a family, even if it's later on that you get the diagnosis, you still want to be able to access treatment at that point. Okay. And and what specific, specific differences in, the, in the, the child's or the young adult's abilities uh, can be noticed with that with that immediate attention to their issues. So every every child or adult with autism is different, but we do know that with very intensive intervention, they all make progress. Okay. So there's not um, there's not one standard that if you do this, this happens, but um, everyone does make progress based uh, that uses an intensive early intervention method. Okay. I have a friend of mine who, uh, a close friend of mine who had a, he had his child late in life. He was in his forties when he had his, his first and only son. And as all parents, he had these, you know, dreams, uh, for his child's future as far as sports and, you know, college and what have you. And then, and, and now, so his, uh, his child is, a, uh, I believe in his mid teens and he's nonverbal. Um, what can family members do to help prepare for their children's futures when their when their plans are, are make that 180 degree uh, turn on them? Right. So that you know that's hard for for anyone that um, has plans that those plans change, and certainly for um, those affected by autism and their families, that can be very very challenging. You know, I think we tell families even when they first get that diagnosis, it's still the same child, um, and they still have. They may have challenges, but they also have strengths. And so, um, you know, it's important that families sort of meet the child where they, where the, he or she is and then work to develop their strengths and um, work with therapists to also mitigate what they can in terms of some of those challenges. And over time, you know, that does happen. I think as you think about the future, we think about that we want to prepare um, people with autism to be able to um, be as independent as possible. We want them to have a life where they have some choice, where they can be productive. And so um, sort of self-help skills and independent skills and daily living skills are really important. Um, and those need to start at a really young age um, in terms of development because it could take a long time. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Autism Speaks exists because, you know, at, at that time, and this is going back, almost 20 years, um, there was so, I'm just talking about my friend's um, circumstance, there was so much fear and confusion and, and not knowing where to turn. And now um, Autism Speaks is one of the sources people can go to because your, your your website is very rich with, with information. And that just didn't exist in the past. And this, this is such a wonderful um, thing to be able to tell somebody because like you, the numbers show with one in 68 and one in 42 boys being diagnosed, a lot, a lot more of us are coming across people saying, Hey, what can I do? And my child's exhibiting this. And now at least we have a place to, to tell them where to turn. And right. um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but does Autism Speaks spend a lot of time counseling um, all members of the family, not just the parents, but the siblings as well? Yes. So um, on our website, we make sure that all of the resources that we provide are free of charge. We don't charge our families for anything. Um, that we can um, we can either send them links that they can download. In some cases, we'll actually send them hard copies of information um, that they can use so that they can um, really work with their child with autism to, you know, make them the best they can be. But Lisa, at this time, let's take a short break, uh, but stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion with our distinguished guest, Lisa Goring, regarding autism and autism speaks. Uh, Lisa, going back to the resources you provide, what are some financial options for families that families can look into to help them plan for education, housing, and other supports uh, that their family members may need down the road? So um, one of the pieces of legislation that Autism Speaks has been working on with other disability groups is called the ABLE Act, and that um, is like a 529 so that uh, families can um, save for uh, future expenses for their loved one with autism, um, and it's tax-deferred. So that's an important piece for us. Um, We also encourage families, um, you know, we've been working really hard on insurance legislation. So um, we have passed legislation in 37 states so that um, autism treatments are covered under insurance plans, and that has been an important piece as well. And in terms of planning for the future, we, you know, um, we encourage families to um, understand exactly what's offered within each state because each state is different, and we um, are happy to walk families through that process um, using our autism response team. Okay. Now, now the 529 plan is that would that be federal legis- legislation? That's federal legislation, yes. So none of this sounds even of really. Uh, large challenges ahead of you, especially in this political climate where you mentioned anything regarding health and is pushback. Has that been the experience uh, in, in recent years, or is autism uh, cutting through the red tape in ways that uh, other uh, coverages are not? So um, certainly there are challenges, but, um, you know, we at Autism Speaks encourage our families to um, advo- to be advocates as well and to talk with their local um, legislators about the challenges and, and what their needs are so that um, they can help to bring to fruition some of the legislation that's so sorely needed. Excellent. Uh, going, going back to the documentary, uh, there was a great scene of employees and individuals on, on the spectrum. Um, how can parents, teachers, and our society help with employment of these individuals? So um, employment is a really important piece for everyone, not just for people on the spectrum. People on the spectrum, uh, many very much want to work and have some really great skills that um, can really benefit an employer and a business. Um, in, the, in the film Sounding the Alarm, there was the car wash um, 
where they actually capitalize on the strengths of people with autism in order to make a very successful business. Um, but sometimes some of the soft skills um, need to be worked on uh, in addition to sort of the job, the actual job skills. So soft skills may include things um, like some of the social skills that need to be in place, um, understanding some of the environmental challenges um, in a workplace. And so people with autism can certainly learn those skills, but they need um, they need instruction and very specific instruction on how to, um, you know, what is acceptable in terms of behavior in a workplace and um, and how you go about that. Now, so those are there really cons- need to be developed at an early age. Okay. Now, are there um, exploitation? I, I think of the movie Rain Man, which was you know is. I saw it so long ago. I don't remember the details. I mean, I was thinking I was in my first year of college, but in that, in that, when I think of Raymond, I immediately think of Dustin Hoffman being um, exploited by, I guess the, I guess um, the other character was uh, the other star. I forget his name. Right. Yeah, it was it was his brother. Right, it was his brother. And, yeah. So is is I know it's I know it's a Hollywood piece, but it it, it does speak to, to to autism in some way especially and it, it was speaking to autism at a time where we knew we still know we're still learning a lot but we know a whole lot more now than we did back in 1988 and i think that might be the impression on a lot of people's minds is that oh is that the rain oh autism does that mean rain man you know at least people right. from our generation so there's so. you know there's a saying sort of in the autism community that um if you've met one person with autism you've met just one person with autism uh, because each person is so different, there are very, you know, most do not present in exactly the same way. Um, so in some cases, some may have um, what's called savant skills or splinter skills, which, you know, in the case of Rayman, he was able to sort of count cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but not everybody has that. You know, I don't think it's any different than the than the general population. There are some people, you know, in the general population that are very gifted in one particular area or another. Um, and the same is true of people with autism, but it doesn't mean that everybody has one of those skills. Exactly. And if, in fact, my nephew, um, he's actually a high school junior or senior now, and he's able to get through high school with, with the normal population. It's right. just that when it comes to social interactions and, you know, that's where there's, there's a disconnect of socializing and he's, he's a, is banging um, in the dark in other areas, and you know, so it's impossible to pinpoint. Well, this person has autism, therefore X, because they are so unique in, in what they bring to the table. Right, right. So we know that you know communication, social interactions, and repetitive behaviors are sort of the overarching three characteristics. But think how broad those each of those are. So you know, nobody, everybody sort of is at a diff- slightly different place on each of those you know, with um, in terms of their strengths and deficits. In, in order to get employed in, in New York City public schools, not just New York City, New York State public schools, they now require, um, I, th- I believe it's two to four hours of uh, awareness training regarding autism because of the increased prevalence. Now you can't even get your license unless you have at least some uh, background knowledge in that. Right. Do you find that other states are moving in that same direction, trying to give public employees, especially in the schools, uh, more awareness of autism, or is New York uniquely ahead of the curve? So I don't, it's um, it's happening in some states, but not in all states, um, and I think it's terrific when it happens. You know, some of the things, some of the benefits 
um, in sort of having that kind of training is some of the strategies that work for those with autism are just good teaching strategies for the for all populations. And so, um, you know, we've heard from teachers who have had specific training and then had a child with autism in their class that, you know, the strategies that they employed for the child with autism actually worked for the entire class. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, teaching is teaching. <laughs> right. Right. Um, are you seeing are you seeing more businesses looking to hire individuals on the spectrum? We are. It's very encouraging. Um, certainly, we have a long way to go. Um, the current under and unemployment rate for people with autism is um, at approximately eighty percent, which is obviously extremely extremely high. Um, but we're seeing both large businesses like SAP um, begin to uh, look to capitalize on the strengths of those with autism, and then we're seeing smaller businesses um, like the car wash and like some um, and there are some bakeries and um, other smaller businesses that again sort of capitalize on the strengths of of a specific population and are able to um, make it a profitable business. So Excellent. Do you, be done on that point. Do you have a uh, a group that's proactively going after uh, captains of industry to to make them more aware of what uh, the pop, autism population could bring to their workforce? Absolutely. So um, we have uh, some team members that are specifically um, focused on adult services, and they work. Um, with large businesses as well as small businesses in terms of um, understanding what the needs of uh, potential employees with autism would be and then connecting them with specific service providers who can provide those supports so that the uh, person can be successful in the workplace. And that um, employment is a huge initiative for us um, in terms of really being able to promote the need for employment and that most of, you know, there are many people with autism who have the desire and the ability to work, and they just need to be given a chance. Okay. Uh, we, we spoke in the first half of the show about uh, Michael's son, Nikki. Um, I was told by uh, another exec at, at Autism Speaks that you also have a, uh, a child that has uh, that's on a spectrum? Yes, I do. I have um, a 17-year-old son with autism. Okay. Um, is, is that what drove your passion to to be, be so heavily involved with Autism Speaks, or is it just it, it happened at the same time, for example? Um, well, my son uh, is 17, so um, I was heavily involved in autism um, since the time he was two when he was diagnosed, um, and then I became very involved in special education and, and, um, and working with people with autism, and then I was fortunate enough... Um, to be asked by Autism Speaks first as a consultant to work on some projects specific to uh, family services, and then from there um, we were able to include it as a portion of the mission. But um, so I've been with Autism Speaks for the past um, seven years as an employee and eight years, uh, counting the consulting for a year. Okay. Uh, now, if if I or uh, anyone listening or anyone watching a documentary to support uh, Autism Speaks in any way, what is the first step they should take? So um, first step would be to go on to our website, which is autismspeaks.org, and um, consider attending a walk 
Um, it's a great way to meet others in your local community that either are affected by autism or um, are there to support people with autism. And then um, there are other volunteer opportunities in terms of working with us on awareness on some of our programs and services and ways that we can really um, support the local communities um, to better support those with autism. And, and that's excellent advice. If somebody wanted to be, uh, in addition to the walks, if someone wanted to be proactive and uh, maybe speak to their connections, or you know, I'm thinking, I'm actually thinking of myself, so I'm being a little selfish. Um, <laughs> you know, I do know a lot of people in education, superintendents, and what have you. Um, if somebody wants to, to to reach out to their circle, should they should they simply send them to your site, or maybe introduce them to the the, the, the recently released Netflix? Um, documentary. So the, um, the Netflix document, documentary, um, Sounding the Alarm, is a great um, great way to introduce and get some background on how Autism Speaks was started. Um, you, they can also go onto our website and, um, or they can email family services at autismspeaks.org to find out about more volunteer opportunities or how to get involved um, with their specific interests. Excellent. Okay, we have been speaking with Lisa Goring, Executive Vice President of Programs and Services for Autism Speaks. To learn more about my guests on the show today and Autism Speaks, visit their website at www.autismspeaks.org. That's autismspeaks.org. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You take care. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next week as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors. 